Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night and Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is the guy that always erases his sister's underwear, Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? I don't like that at all. I know. Well, uh. what, okay, hold on. Would you rather erase somebody's underwear or a dog from existence? Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. Tough question of the day. Okay. Does the person... Do I have the person's permission to get rid of the underwear, and is the dog... Uh, mean. Okay, so you don't have permission to erase the person's underwear, and they won't notice when you do it, and the dog is mean, yes. To, only oh. to you, though. It's lovable <laughs> to everything else. Well, I don't care. <laughs> okay. That dog should know better. Alright, alright. <laughs> so how are you doing today, Brandon? I'm doing alright. That's good. Happy Halloween! Thank you! It's Halloween night right now. It is Halloween as I morning. This. I, yeah, you got like an hour left? Yeah, an hour and change. Awesome. I have an entire Halloween day jam-packed in a pandemic United States. I believe we hit, Ooh. like, our highest numbers yesterday, so <laughs> fucking high score. Tricks and treats. Yeah, you know it. So, Brandon, uh, next week is, a, well, not to, like, rush Halloween through, but next week is Daylight Savings Time, which means I have to get up an extra hour earlier to do the podcast with you. I'm going to be, <laughs> I have to get up at six o'clock in the morning for it to be 10 o'clock at night at your time. <laughs> Fun. Mm, this time yes. business is just aces. The one thing that I like is when I have to wake up early on a Saturday, <laughs> which I get, I mean, it's a new thing. So, and you know what? Honestly, we could probably do a Friday again now. Now that I think about it, we'll see. We'll see. All right. So how was your Halloween, Brandon? Did your kids dress up? Did you guys uh, go? <sighs> yeah, they, they dressed what up. What do they call trick or treating over there? Oh, they call it tracky tricks. Uh, is that for real, or are you just like no, amusing me? No, that's uh, it's not amusing at all. Uh, they probably do have some silly name for it. I don't know. They call it like bumps and squeaks or something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I need to know: Did your kids have Halloween costumes? Yeah, okay. they dressed up. What did they dress up as? Because I asked you to send me a picture and you didn't. No, I did not. <laughs> I am a terrible photographer. So, my wife takes all the photos and then sends them to me. Yeah, that's fine. And if she doesn't send them to me, then I don't send them to anyone else. Oh, okay, okay. There's a chain of command here. No, I get it, I get it. That's how I am, too. What were your children? Because my son, he was a ninja, and I sent you a picture of it, and he had, like, red eyes and stuff. All right, we got uh, some My Hero Academia character. What? We got uh, some kind of demon priestess. <laughs> Oh, we got a okay. uh, okay. Ghostbuster. Oh, nice. We got Elsa from Frozen. Classic, yes. We got a witch, mm-hmm. and we got a ghost. Did you guys get up to any, uh, you know, Twisted Claw shenanigans or Midnight Ride craziness? Anything good? I mean, we did what we could, but it was just crazy stormy all day. I know we talked about this, like, pre-recording, but I swear to God, every fucking Halloween and always no matter where you are it storms like um i'm i took pictures for instagram last year because it was snowing last halloween when we were trick-or-treating so mm-hmm. yeah it's always just like hey kids want to have fun not on my watch like <laughs> no i i don't really have anything going on this week because it, it you know the excitement happens tonight maybe depending on if we Hope actually so. go trick-or-treating or not because i mean uh, my understanding, if there's a pandemic, the last thing you want to do is go door to door to your neighbor's house and like make them give you something. So I mean, it's essentially the worst case scenario. I mean, just about the only thing you could do that's worse is like I don't know, cough competitions or yeah, or like lick people's like doorknobs parties or something. Yeah. Are you ready to talk about some Are You Afraid of the Dark? I am very ready. All right. So Brandon and I just got done watching the tale of fucking Vampire Town, Brandon. Fucking Vampire Town, baby. What did you think of Vampire Town? It was alright. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, like, the only disappointing thing about it is that it was only alright, considering fucking Vampire Town is perhaps the coolest title in this show's history. It's... I was expecting a little more vampire, you know? Uh, maybe yeah. even a little more town. <laughs> I expect... So it really delivered on nothing. Um, I really did expect it to be like a whole town of vampires. Yeah. It's not. But, uh, it's not, No, though. it's really not. Um, 
You know what, though? Like, for what it gave us, I think it had some really cool atmosphere and set design. I think it was an interesting story. Yeah. The tone. The tone of this episode is a bit all over the place. Yeah, it kind of wants to be silly, but serious and dark, but kind of light. I don't know. Got, like, Laurel and Hardy in it. Goddamn. Yeah, Abbott and Costello. (laughs) (sighs) Let's just... I don't know. You want to just talk about it? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So our episode begins and we see Megan laying upside down on the couch with Tucker and Andy poking sticks into the fire. And Vanch comes walking up the path with the bucket of water asking if he showed. And Andy says, no. And over with Megan, she asks, what if he doesn't come? And Tucker shrugs saying, it's no big deal. And that he'll tell the story. And Andy looks at Tucker, asking if he really started a fight at school. And Tucker's all, all I know is something happened, and he got sent to the principals. And Van shakes her head as the others laugh, and she says, I bet he's grounded. He's already grounded. He's always grounded. He's got one personality trait, and it's apparently getting in trouble. <sighs> he's the new Frank. It's fun getting into trouble. He's a troublemaker. He's the Frank. Did Frank get into trouble? Mm-hmm. I feel like he wanted to give off. The image that he was a troublemaker. He never had these kind of problems. But I think he was. I think he was a straight A sweetheart. I think he was too. Also, I guess he probably had a crush on Gary, from what I understand. Is that right? Uh, That's what people like to say. And I'm I'm totally all for that. They did have that sweet touching, like, get together sesh where they came up with a story together, so. Yeah, he didn't come up with any stories with Sam. He was like, hey, Gary, wouldn't it be really cool if your character, Sardo, and my character, Vink, got together and had all sorts of goofy, crazy, hilarious, sexy ventures? And Gary was like, huh? (laughs) That sounds like it would be a boring two-part episode. (laughs) You have no idea. (laughs) Over with Megan, who's still upside down, she says, what a jerk. Why'd he start a fight? And then we hear Quinn start to talk, and everyone whips their heads to see him standing in the pathway. And he says, that's the kind of thinking that makes me nuts. Andy and Vance surround him, demanding that he tell what he did. And uh, he kind of backs them up, saying, whoa, 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 whoa. How come whenever something nasty goes down, I take the heat? It's like I'm guilty until proven innocent. And over with Megan, she tells him it's because he's usually guilty. And Quinn says, no, just because somebody does something sometimes doesn't mean they do everything all the time. Megan just kind of looks puzzled, and Quinn says, forget I'm it, puzzled and takes well. a seat at the throne. Just because something and somebody have something somewhere doesn't mean sometime and someplace ain't somewhat something. It's a solid courtroom argument. Yes, yes. I get what you mean. Yeah. Guilty. <laughs> Bang that gavel. That gets everyone to fall in line, and they all disperse to take their seats and enjoy this fucking Quinn story. And Quinn starts out saying, all right, I got a story about this very thing. It's about a guy who's a little different. He doesn't go along with what's normal, you know? People don't like things that aren't normal. It makes them uncomfortable. But that's the way my guy likes it. That is, until he gets in trouble and he has nowhere to turn. And the only person who believes him is the one person he should fear the most. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this story... The Tale of Vampire Town. So, his intro is... It's the story. Sure. He kind of fucking spoiled it, though, if you think about it. Yeah, in hindsight. (laughs) But, when you're listening to him say it, it's just some generic nonsense that could fit a lot of stories. True, yeah. So the tale starts up with a crash of lightning and some fat guy walking out of a door that says Wisteria Funeral Home. He locks the door with the key and he's about to walk away, but the phone rings from inside. So he groans about it a couple of times and then he opens the door back up and he calls out that he's coming and he picks up the phone saying Wisteria Funeral Home. Oh, hi, honey. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on my way. No, 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 I won't forget the milk. Yeah, see you soon. And he puts the phone back down with a sigh, and then we hear a crash from inside the funeral home. So he goes and investigates. That phone call was entirely pointless. Yeah, well, they could have just have him working in the back room or something, but whatever. Or he could have been just walking out the door ready to lock up when he hears a sound and then goes, wait, (laughs) I have to investigate this. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Just from an editing and screenwriting context, it just doesn't 
makes sense. I gotta say, since we've been doing this show, I've been looking at other, like, television shows and stuff differently now. It's weird. How like, so? Like, I never used to pay attention to, like, cuts and, um... Just, like, stuff post-editing and stuff that is, like, weird. Like, I can pick up mm-hmm. when things are, like, what's the, what's the term? Like, ADR, you know, automated yeah. digital recording or whatever the fuck it's called. Where they, like, voice over people. Yeah. It's really obvious a lot of time. It is. But I never really picked up on it before I started editing our show or, you know, being so detailed in Are You Afraid of the Dark and looking at camera angles. and Yeah. When you start analyzing rather than just watching it. Yeah. You do notice a lot of things. It's fun. Unless it's not. (laughs) (laughs) You're that annoying guy like, oh, this Avengers movie isn't actually fucking entertainment. Like, yeah. Yeah, Fuck off. Ruins everything. He walks into his his room full of caskets and investigates the one in the middle of the room further. He opens it up and sighs again and then looks over because he hears another sound. So he walks over and he goes down a hallway as the thunder crashes again. And in the other room is a table with a human body covered in a white cloth on top and the hand sticking out. Do they just leave the bodies there? I think they do because you got to embalm them. Um, I used to talk with a uh, mortician and he said that it was it was kind of a lot of work. I mean, you have to like the family will give you like a picture of them and you have to like, you know, do their makeup or like shave them and stuff into what they what the family wants. So I think it's a pretty lengthy process. Yeah. I know they have a lot of work to do. Like, I know, like, the people aren't getting any deader. They're... I mean, they kind of are. (laughs) They're getting decaying. (laughs) I I thought that they, like, put them in, you know, someplace to keep them cool. Oh, yeah. I hear you. Keep them fresh a little longer, a Ziploc bag. Yeah, a little doggy bag for later. Yeah. Not just sitting out on a table. I... Exposed to the elements. Honestly, I don't know. I've never really explored a funeral home or... Because this is a funeral home. I mean, it shows later that they do, you know, the service there or whatever. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. I've never explored them enough, I think. At one point, I did think about becoming a mortician. I think it'd be an interesting job to have. Really? Yeah. I mean, everybody's dying. (laughs) There's always going to be a need for one. Yeah. But then I didn't do it. Maybe I should look hey, back. Maybe into someday that. still. Yeah, I could always look back into that. I'm gonna write that one down for later. So there's a hand sticking out, and the guy walks over and he takes off his hat and he puts it on a post uh, on the bed or table or whatever it is, and then um, he tucks that body's hand back under the cloth, and then he gets down on his knees and we see behind him another body draped in a cloth that sits up. And it turns its draped head in his direction, and then it stands up and starts walking towards him as he's picking up his mortician supplies, which must have been what fell and caused the crash noise in the first place. And um, the guy puts his hand under the bed, reaching for more tools as the camera gets closer, until a hand grabs him, and he screams, and he hits his head on the bottom of the bed, knocking him out. We get a close-up of the vampire's fangs, and then the vampire hisses, and he reaches down on this fat guy, and he rips his shirt down, and it reveals a holy cross... And that pisses the vampire off, and he runs out of the room, leaving the fat guy on the ground, and the scene fades. So, vampires right away. Yeah, I know. we got vampires, but I don't know. Does the vampire have to see the Holy Cross, or is it like, you know, he could just sense it there? I don't understand how that works. Like, he only reacted to it after he's seen it. Like, he got his hand right next to that Holy Cross. Yeah, I thought you'd have to touch it. Well, I thought that they would, like, you know, exude radiance through this man's, like, shirt. But apparently not. Now we're looking at a fountain pen writing, and we hear someone say, Tonight I arrive in Wisteria, the fabled vampire town. Only last week there was a vampire attack in this quiet hamlet. Could it be that Dreyfus, the greatest vampire of all, has returned? Legend has it that he slept in the catacombs beneath Wisteria for centuries. This is true, and he has indeed risen from his grave. I will do everything in my power to meet him face to face. And I just got a side note here. It was really easy for me to write this because we see all of this shown on that paper. In really great handwriting, I must say. Yeah, especially while writing inside of a moving vehicle. <laughs> yeah, we hear a screech and then that fountain pen scribbles. And we look up and we see that this kid is dressed all in black. He's got black sunglasses on. He's got a little ruby brooch and a ruby earring that I don't know if you can see right here. And he says, Dad, take it easy. I... I mean, Father, please take care. And we see he's in the backseat of a car, and I don't know how he wrote any of that while moving in a car. 
but whatever. I thought, okay, so from this introduction of him writing in his little diary notebook thing or whatever, I thought that that was his imagination for the first part of the episode. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I thought he was writing a book and it was going to come to life. I didn't make the connection until way later what actually happened. (laughs) Yeah. It was like after the episode ended, I was like, oh, that was okay. Yes, yes. We cut to dad in the front seat who says, sorry, Mr. Lugosi. With mom, she looks back at his kid saying, lunchtime, and she reaches down and gives this kid a sandwich. And he looks at it, and we see his eyes have eyeliner, so he is totally goth. He rolls his eyes saying, he's goth, he finally, is- he returns. <laughs> he rolls his eyes saying, you know I only eat red meat. And dad's all, yeah, peanut butter sticks to the fangs. And the kid, he's got his glasses back on now saying, if I'm going to hunt vampires, then I need to think like a vampire. And I don't think that they eat peanut butter. Dad shakes his head. Vampires eat red meat? They eat blood, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, they drink blood. Like, do they eat anything? Not that I know of. This kid doesn't know shit about vampires. It's hard to say, because there's so many different types of vampires, Brandon. You got Nosferatu, you got Nightly Neighbors, mm-hmm. you got whatever the fuck was in that hospital, you got fucking Glitter Vampire. There's so many vampires. Yeah, the vampire, the rules of vampirism are just, can't keep track. It's kind of like, whose line is it anyway? Like, it, the rules don't matter. You can do whatever you want. The only thing that's consistent is pointy teeth. Yeah, like... If you want your vampires to be able to read people's thoughts and glitter in the sun, then have at it. And you know what? It's going to be a great bestseller. Boom. Mm, Don't, though, please. (laughs) Too late. Well, not at this point in life. You know, if we were in 1999, but... Dad shakes his head, and back with the kid, he puts up a magazine called, I think, Vampire Daily. I'm not sure. It's like Vampire Daily or Vampire Digest, but either way, this magazine is amazing. (laughs) Yeah, well, the picture shows some dude on it who kind of looks like a vampire, and it says, Vampire Attack. Has Dreyfus returned to Wisteria? And then we see the car roll down a road, and then the scene fades. Dreyfus is still a threat. Is Dreyfus, like, a vampire from other forms of literature? It kind of sounds like it could Uh, be. It sounds like it could be, and I think that's what they were going for. Okay. Well, we got some characters to meet, so you ready for this? Yeah. Okay. So, first up, the main character is the goth kid named Adder Carballo. Carballo? Adder. Adder. Like, it reminded me of a snake. I don't know. Yeah, like an adder. Adder is played by Kyle Downs, who we last saw as Nathaniel in the Tale of the Forever game. He was also Larry Tudgeman and Lizzie McGuire. Nuff said. Yep. That's all we said about him last time, and you know what? Still fitting. <laughs> Next up, Dad is played by Michael Rudder, who voiced the Dark Prince and Prince of Persia Warrior Within. How cool is that? That's cool. Yeah. It's a good game. Yeah, I knew you would like that little tidbit. He also voiced a character in Arthur from 2000 to 2016. Yeah. I think yeah. it was Dark Arthur. Looks <laughs> 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 like he did a lot of voice work in video games in the 2000s, and he was in one of your favorite movies, Brandon. Whoa. Which one? The Adventures. Of Pluto Nash. Oh. <laughs> yep. You got me. Who did he play? I don't know. It was some <laughs> something that didn't matter, I think. It was like... Did he play Eddie Murphy? <laughs> no, he did not play Eddie Murphy. He was like some boring character that isn't even worth mentioning, but it was still in his repertoire. Mom is played by Danielle Desmoreau, who wasn't in much else except for the TV miniseries War of 1812 in 1999. And she did an English voice for some French show called The Bellflower Bunnies. Cool. Yeah. Finally, for now, we've got the fat guy at the start of the episode. His name is Mr. Mueller. I think it's Carl. I think somebody calls him Carl at one point, but they they didn't credit him as that. So he's Mueller. He's played by... Mueller. What do you think this name is? M-I-C-H-E-L. Do you think it's Michael or Mitchell? M-I-C-H... Michel. Okay. He's played by... Are you sure... Michel. Fine. He's played by Michel Perrin, who we last saw as somebody you're never going to guess, so I'm not going to let you. He's the manager of the bowling alley in the Tale of the Dream Girl. Manager of the bowling alley. Yeah, I was going to say. Yes. He's the one that's like, my bowling alley's fucking fixing itself. This is awesome. And your brother's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
glad I don't have to pay your brother. I'm so glad your brother's dead, but yet his work still continues to happen. <laughs> Why was I ever paying him? Anyway. <laughs> this guy was also in Gothica with Halle Berry. I've heard of that movie. Yeah, I remember I remember being in high school when that movie came out. And he was in Battlefield Earth with John Travolta. Who was he in that? I don't John know. John Travolta? Maybe. I've never seen Battlefield Earth. And you know what, Brandon? I never fucking will. <sighs> It's for the best. Back in the episode, the fam drives up by a sign that says Wisteria One Mile, which Adder excitedly says out loud. Dad asks him if he's sure he wants to go to this place, and he's got field seats for the Jets game. And Mom looks at Dad saying, honey, this is Adder's call. And Dad's all, yeah, but, but field, field seats. seats. Mom shuts that nonsense down saying, it's a family trip. We agreed as a family to let Adder choose a place. Dad's all, yeah, yeah, Transylvania, here we come. And the car rolls by... And we fade. And now we're rolling up to a gigantic house. And we hear Dad say, this is the place? And Adder adds, <laughs> I just wanted to be funny right there. Adder adds. And Adder adds, just as I imagined it. Dad looks this house up and down, saying it better have cable. And in the backseat, Adder uncorks a bottle of something. It's like this blue vial. And uh, he starts huffing this pain or whatever the fuck it is. And, and in the front seat, Mom and Dad, they scrunch their noses. And Mom's all, ugh, what's that smell? And they kind of look in the back seat, and Adder smiles, saying, Raven's blood, nightshade, and mandrake. A vampire Where delicacy. Did he get that? I don't know. He says it comes from Romania. eBay was around, I think, in 1999. Maybe he got it off of eBay. <laughs> no, he didn't. He brewed that shit in his backyard. <laughs> it is Mountain Dew, nail polish, <laughs> and soap. Yeah, well... Apparently vampires cannot resist it. Mom and dad just kind of nod and they look away and he corks the bottle again and dad gets out of the car looking at mom saying he gets this from your side of the family. The vampire side. <laughs> the vampire slaying side. Didn't you know that he's a Belmont? We're a werewolf family. Adder gets up and he sits in dad's spot as we hear church bells ringing in the distance. Then Adder asks his mom why his father always makes fun of him. Which damn, that's kind of heavy. Yeah. And she's just like, fucking look at you, sweetie. <laughs> You're not doing yourself any favors, honey. <laughs> <laughs> he can't help it. Mom sighs saying, you're a great kid, Adder, but we just don't understand this fascination with vampires. I thought this stuff was like kind of kind of sweet. We get a close-up of Adder, and he says, well, I'm sorry if I'm not the son you want me to be. And Mom tells him all they want is for him to be happy. And if that means dressing up and carrying around bottles of stinky vampire goo, then go for it. Adder smiles and looks at his mom, who tells him to come on. And she motions to open up the door and get out of the car, but Adder says that he can't until sunset. So mom nods her head saying, right, gotta think like a vampire. Then she stops, looks at him closer, and says, you know vampires aren't real, don't you? And Adder tells her that's what they're there to find out. New scene, we're inside and someone dings a bell next to a sweet rotary phone and it looks like it's dad, who exhales sarcastically saying to mom, cheery spot, someone should open a window. Out of a back room walks a guy with a book in his hand, and he says, We never open curtains. Sunlight damages our antiques. And Dad ignores that shit, saying, But you do have cable, right? And the guy tells him, And running water. And Dad says, Perfect. Whoa. We booked two rooms. Fancy. I know. And Mom pipes up, saying, It should be under the name Carbeo. Car Carbio? Carbio. Whatever. Is that like a name from a horror movie or something? I don't know. I don't think so. Because mm, they kind of put emphasis on it, so I wasn't sure. The guy nods and tells the fam to sign the book, and he hands Mom the keys, asking about their other guest. And Mom tells the guy that he'll be in after sunset, and the guy furls his brow at Mom and Dad, and they tell him not to ask. Then Dad asks this guy, what's up with this town being full of vampires? <laughs> <laughs> Good question, Dad. That's not a thing you say. <laughs> <laughs> the guy kind of like opens his eyes all wide and he says old fables like the witches of salem i wouldn't lose any sleep over it and he walks past them and mom says we heard there's a vampire attack last week and his eyes get all wide again and he asks do you believe in vampires and dad laughs a little and mom says of course not and the guy immediately says neither do i neither does anyone in wisteria they've been fighting these rumors for years it keeps the tourists away and he walks away from the parents, and they follow him, Dad giggling, saying, or in our case, it attracts them. And the guy's headed up the stairs, saying, still, 
people believe what they want to. Speaking for the citizens of Wisteria, we'd appreciate it if you didn't spread silly rumors. He walks up the stairs and mom and dad follow and dad says, Memo to self, don't ask the hotel guy about vampires. And mom shakes her head saying that he is going to love mm-hmm. Adder. So, th- this is a lot of parent screen time for an Are You Afraid of the Dark episode. I think this episode gets like the most parent screen time out of any so. episode. I think so. I mean, this is an entire scene focused on the parents. That yeah. just doesn't happen. That's crazy. So this hotel guy's name is Stanley, and he is played by Richard Jutras, who we last saw as something that you're also never going to guess. No, I I recognize this one. The pizza delivery guy in the tale of the phone police. Yep. Rat Hat. One of my favorite characters in that episode. (laughs) One of the best parts in... No, that's the best part of that episode. Easily, yes. This guy's been in a lot of other things, like The Year Dolly Parton Was My Mom from 2001. I'm sorry, from 2011. That's not real. It is. He's just putting fake shit up there. He was also in The Whole Nine Yards with Matthew Perry and All You Can Eat Buddha, which I don't know anything else about that because I didn't write anything else about it. Sorry. Back in the episode, Stanley walks down the stairs of the hotel. He looks over and he gasps because he sees Adder just sitting in a chair. And he's all like, you know, like dressed in black and he's goth looking. And he tells Adder he wouldn't fool around in that getup if it was him. And Adder stands up saying, show me to my room. And he hands Adder the key saying, number 16, up the stairs and to the left. And he walks away. And Adder swivels in his direction saying that he wants to see the catacombs. And Stanley whips around saying, catacombs? They've been closed for years. And Adder rips off his glasses saying, closed. And he walks up to Stanley saying, I mean, show me. I understand there's an entrance in the basement of this inn. And he looks over at a door that says, no entry. saying, hey, is that the way? And Stanley tells him that the catacombs are sealed catacombs, off. Catacombs, this way. I know, right? What a weird thing to have in the town. Anyway, Stanley says that the catacombs are sealed off and asks why he's so interested. And Larry Tudgman gets real close to him saying, let's just say I have an appointment with Destiny. And the dude cringes at this kid and Adder goes upstairs. And Stanley starts flipping on that rotary phone and he puts it to his ear saying, Carl, Stanley, did you get a look at what attacked you the other night? Too bad because someone just checked in that's making me nervous. Why are there catacombs under this town? Are they in like France or something? I mean, Canada might as well be France, but it is very weird for a new world town to just have 13th century catacombs in it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Unless they are in Europe, but I don't think they are. I don't think they are. Well, we switch scenes and are looking at a fire in a fireplace. And then we cut over to Adder writing with his fountain pen. And we get a voiceover from Adder saying, My father looks at me like I were from another world. Perhaps I am, or should be. And he stops and he looks up at his dad and mom, and dad gives him a thumbs up. (laughs) And Adder smiles sarcastically in response. And the voiceover continues as he continues writing, saying, The catacombs are sealed, but that won't stop me. Tonight, while everyone sleeps, I will find Dreyfus if he exists. And during that, we see Stanley kind of peek at this kid, which is like from behind, I don't know, some coats or something. And then Dad asks, yo, Adder, what you writing? And Adder slams that book closed, saying, nothing. And Dad laughs, saying, well, you're writing something. And Adder sighs, saying, you'll just make fun of it like everything else. And Dad's all, well, vampire hunting is pretty goofy. And Mom butts in, saying, let's talk about something else. And the fam kind of look at each other for a couple of seconds, and Dad breathes in, saying, well, I'm turning in. And they all get up as Mom thinks that they'll have plenty to talk about in the morning. Dad's all, yeah, real yak fest. And they leave the room, and we zoom in behind a coat and see Stanley is still looking at them. Mom and Dad are trying. Yeah, kind of. I mean, Dad One is of them sick more of than shit. the other, but... <laughs> yeah. They're not bad parents. Like They're, they're probably... on this road trip here to this random-ass town. If they weren't trying, they would have been like, fuck no, we're going to SeaWorld. Yeah, I kind of like the parents. Like, Dad is a little goofy, but, you know, he's not bad. They're trying. No, like, what do you do with a kid who thinks he's a vampire? I think they're handling it appropriately, I would say. Yeah. They're being supportive. Yeah. Try to understand. Yeah, they're being supportive without, like, you know, going way overboard or being horrible parents that just ignore him or berate him for what he wants to do. Well, anyway, uh, that cuts, and we see there's a full moon out, and now we're with Adder in the main lobby, and a clock strikes a couple of times. There's some super sleuthy, like, Metal Gear Adder music playing. I 
thought it was like James Bond music. Yeah, it's, it's like pretty weird. It's like sleuthy kind of like I don't know. Yeah. It's not as uh you know, memorable as what played in The Tale of the Full Moon when he was like sleuthing around, but that's fine. I'm sure it's playing behind our voices right now. Oh yeah, no no doubt about it. So he's got his little flashlight out and he's creeping up on that door from earlier and then he opens it up and he walks inside and the camera pans over to a curtain and Stanley and Mueller peek their heads out from behind it and they look at each other and then we cut back to Adder and he's walking down some stairs and he finds another door so he bangs into it and then he opens it up and, s- and some CG bats fly out. Oh my god, I forgot oh about god. that. Oh my god. <laughs> I feel I- like this show... It got the budget, I guess, this season, or the capabilities to do more special effects like this, but it just, it does not look good. It doesn't. And I I say in my notes here that they look better than the snake from Jake the Snake, but not by much. But only because it's dark and they're not zoomed up (laughs) right on their face. Yeah, Adder's like trying to bat him away, but you know they're not—they're not there, so it's kind of clumsy looking, and I just don't—I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah, stop doing CG animals, please. I did my notes for this two days ago, and I legitimately forgot that the bats were in this episode because they are just throw nothing. real bats in Larry Tudgman's face; it would look better. <laughs> yeah. Hey there, everybody. Cortland here, your good buddy and your town's mortician. Thank you so much for listening to us and our show. We have so much fun doing this podcast, and all you listeners make the hard work so worthwhile. So whether you're new this week or a longtime fan, we truly appreciate you spending some time with us. If you're looking to support our show, you can become a patron for as little as $1 a month. All patrons get access to ad-free episodes the moment I finish editing, so you can hear our episodes up to two weeks early. This week I'll be finishing the editing for the Season 6 finale, The Tale of Bigfoot Ridge, so if you just can't get enough of us, you'll be able to binge a few episodes before everyone else. On top of that, higher tiers give more rewards, including stickers, bonus quick frights, bloopers and outtakes, an exclusive improv, and more. There's tons of content out there already to enjoy, and if you'd like to become a patron, visit patreon.com slash privateisland. I always update with new content multiple times a week, like our most recent quick frights covering one of my favorite horror movies, The Cabin in the Woods. I'd like to thank our current patrons, the Bronze Beth Heather, Eddie, Mia, and Tristan, the Silver Goth Shane, Stephen, Matt, and Kaylee, the Golden Day Days Bryce, Faith, Sarah, and Angela, and the Platinum Bostics Kathy, Carly, and Evelyn. Thank you so much for your support, everyone. We greatly appreciate it. Brandon and I create a ton of content all the time for our Twitter, at PRVT Island, and Instagram at Private Island Presents. Each week we make hilarious memes, gifts, and so much other content for every episode. We've been abridging and condensing entire episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark down into one hilarious minute, and we really hope that you're enjoying and laughing at them. On top of that, every Wednesday night at 8pm Eastern, we watch full-length episodes of the show live on Instagram. It's a ton of fun laughing with all the other fans, so stop by and give us a follow today. Our Season 6 wrap-up episode is coming up very quickly. We're recording it this week, and we need your help. Please send us your questions. Anything you'd like, we'll answer them on the show. You can send your questions to any of our social media accounts or through email, privateislandpresents at gmail.com. Help us make this season wrap-up even better than the last. For a quick link to all of our social media accounts, the Patreon, YouTube page, and more, check out the episode description for the Linktree link. Another quick and easy way to show your support is to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser. You can help us grow and get noticed this way, or by giving us a shout-out on Twitter or Instagram. It's such a nice way to show your support. Normally at this point in our season, I start up a giveaway for the full season on DVD. Seasons 6 and 7 of Are You Afraid of the Dark were unfortunately never officially released on DVD, so I won't be able to give them away. On top of that, with the pandemic getting worse all over the world, it's probably not the safest thing to receive a personal item like that through the mail. I still plan on doing a giveaway, but I'm going to be delaying it, so stay tuned for more details. I'd like to take a moment to thank the Benevolent Badger for his work on the music for our show, aside from this theme, Dating Star from Undertale, composed by Toby Fox. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork. For now, I'll let you get back to the thrilling conclusion of Vampire Town. Thanks again, everyone, and I'll talk to you again soon. Bye.
So he's flailing his hands around and then they fly away and he enters into the catacombs, which shows us a skull right away. And he flicks on a light because apparently these catacombs have just electricity for some reason. And mm-hmm. we see three more skulls on spikes. And then he walks a little further in. He shines his flashlight on some skeletal remains and then another skeleton. And there's cobwebs all over them. And uh, that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, that's interesting. That's weird that it's just like right there. Like you open the door in this hotel and it's just like, yep, here's where we keep all the corpses. It's cool scenery, though. Like, I mean, I feel like he should have went out into a graveyard or something and gone down you know, he opened up a mausoleum door or something, but hey, they went with it's in the inn, and apparently it's connected to like every fucking house. Yeah, that's the thing <laughs> in Vampire Town. That's the thing that you get from having these catacombs is that it connects the entire town. So weird. Everybody in this entire town has a door that they're just like, oh, you don't go near that door. That's the catacombs door. That's the skull. When somebody Always. dies, just toss their body into a dugout crevice of the catacombs. So Adder walks up to a metal gate, and then he opens it up and he walks through, and we cut behind him and, and walk Stanley and Mueller, and they've got these giant wooden stakes and mallets in their hands, and they're creeping up on Adder, and they stop, and Mueller asks if Stanley is sure that he's the one who jumped him, and Stanley's all, why else would he be coming down here? We got him all right, and the two men move forward. Yeah, they're out to kill some kids. Yeah, they want to kill this kid, but they have like comically big wooden stakes. Yeah. Go bake or go home. I guess so. And you can get to that home through these catacombs. (laughs) You sure can. It's connected by everything. Adders checking out more skeletons covered in cobwebs, and he comes up on another wooden door. So he looks behind him, he swallows, and he opens up the door, which leads to a room covered in cobwebs, and there's a piece of wood sticking out of a big stone coffin. Hmm. What could that be, I wonder? Adder's all, wow. And he takes out a little camera and he starts taking pictures saying that he's going to be famous. And he wipes away from dust from a nameplate that says Dreyfus. And he's like, he's really here. And it's in the Dracula font. It is in the Dracula font, yeah. He takes another picture of that nameplate and then in busts Stanley and Mueller. And Stanley yells, don't move you devil. Mueller points his stake at the kid yelling, I thought we saw the last of your kind ages ago. And Adder shakes his head saying, my kind... What are... Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not a vampire. And then he grabs the piece of wood out of the middle of this casket. And he chucks it at Stanley like it's a javelin. Yeah, it is a giant spike. It freaks that dude out. Which, I'd be freaked out if somebody threw a wooden stake at me. Adder runs away and up some stairs as the guys start to chase after him. But Mueller gets stuck in the crack leading up to the stairs because he's a fatty. And Stanley pulls him out saying, come on, I know another way. And we stay behind with the stone coffin and it's pouring out fog and it starts to slowly open with some gnarly fingers coming out of it. Because like fucking unstaked a vampire. But what did he think that stake was doing in a stone coffin like that? You know, I don't think he was thinking. Okay, yeah, I guess you're right. But also vampire rules. Who knows? Sometimes when you stab a vampire with a stake they just explode so you know you can remove the stake and use it again i've seen that in something else i don't know what it was but i have a issue here so the last vampire we had was in the night shift and the way that they killed that vampire mm-hmm. was they burned his coffin if you're gonna make these motherfuckers stone coffins how the hell are you gonna kill them <laughs> there's no easy way think... then no but it's vampire rules so it's like whatever you want to do no big deal With Adder, he's running through the catacombs, and then he stops, and he looks around, and then he continues running some more, and he stops again to catch his breath, and then he runs into another wooden door. From behind it, he hears the guys talking about how cutting cutting him off at the south door or something, and then Mueller asks what they do when they catch him, and Stanley tells him they'll stake the vampire. And Adder asks himself what he's doing, that he's got to be crazy, and he turns his head and screams because he's face-to-face with a fucking skeleton. And then the door starts to jiggle and move, and Adder backs up, and it opens up to a super creepy, face-peeled old man. And Adder asks, who are you? And the dude says in this crazy voice, Commercial break. Okay, so this is the vampire of Vampire Town. Um, the last vampire we saw 
was the vampire in The Tale of the Night Shift. Yeah. And that was a good-ass vampire. He was. This vampire, he's not so great. I think he looks interesting. He looks to me like he was burned by chemicals or something. He is... He's got peely skin okay. for some reason. I have never seen a vampire look the like this. The last vampire looked like the Green Goblin. Yeah. This vampire looks like Pimento Loaf. <laughs> he, looks like, he looks like a burn victim. Like, a, like he got chemically burned. Sure. A little bit. I don't know what their decision was for this. Like, I don't think it looks terrible. It's pretty creepy. No, it's not awful. But I don't know what they were thinking. Maybe, the, I don't even know if I can justify it. Maybe when he took the stake out is when, like, the flesh started coming back and regrowing on the bones and stuff, and he's in the middle of, like, becoming, you know, full, complete. Maybe as he feeds, he would get stronger and stronger. Yeah. And that's the thing, is he's he's weak because he's been dead for a long time. So he's not a very intimidating threat. In this episode. No, like he walks like a zombie towards Adder. Yeah, he walks like Mr. Burns. <laughs> yeah. For most of this episode, he's like, Ugh. It's true. Back from commercial, Dreyfus slowly walks into the room as Adder says under his breath, Dreyfus, you're real? And he backs Adder up in a corner and he falls to the ground saying, I never thought I'd really find you. And he looks him up and down saying, not what I expected. And Dreyfus gets closer saying that he needs to feed and Adder pushes him away saying, hey, Whoa, not me. Back off. And he turns on his flashlight, which stops the vampire. I think. So my, my copy of this was, like, glitching the fuck out at this point. Is that what he did? He turned his flashlight on in this vampire's face? Yeah. Okay. And he runs away from him, and he runs down the hallway, and he runs up on the other two dudes in the catacombs, who yell, There! And Adder puts his hands up, saying, Wait, I swear I'm not a vampire! And Stanley tells about how this kid looks like a vampire, so... Adder slowly backs up, and then he closes an iron gate and locks it as the dudes try and stab him with their stakes. Adder runs through the catacombs a ways, and then he stops, and he wonders where he is. And he looks around some more, and then he walks up to a wall, and he brushes away some dead moss, and there's, like, a little tunnel. And then from behind him comes Dreyfus walking like a zombie. So Adder gets inside that little tunnel, which leads to a grate that he pushes aside, and he starts to crawl through, but he gets grabbed by Dreyfus, and he manages to get away, and it looks like he's in the funeral home as he uh, bars the hole with a coffin. And Dreyfus growls and screams in anger, and Adder runs up some stairs, and he is in the morgue now, surrounded by dead bodies, and he's all, oh, gross. And then we hear Stanley yell that he must be in there. So Adder gets on one of the tables and covers up in a white sheet, like the other dead bodies. In runs Mueller and Stanley, and Stanley looks down the stairs saying, You're right, he came up through here. Stanley's all, that's how he nearly got you the other night. Actually, I think it's Mueller that looks down the stairs, but I'm not going to correct myself now. He can't be far. Let's split up. And the two guys bump into each other a couple of times, and then they split up. And once they're out of the room, Adder jumps off the table and leaves the same way that Stanley left. Adder opens up a door and he walks into a showing room with a casket and he walks over to the casket and opens up a door but Stanley was waiting for him and he's got this stake and mallet out and he says got you now and he starts advancing on the kid when from behind busts in Mueller who's all he wasn't in but Stanley stops him saying it's okay that he can't get away now and Adder swears he isn't a vampire saying that his name is Adder Carbile and his parents are staying at Stanley's Inn. Mueller tells the kid, you vampires are all the same. Real brave until you're about to get staked. And he motions to smash his little hammer into the stake. But Adder yells, no, look, I have a reflection. You see? Hello? And the camera whips over to see Adder in the mirror waving and then whips back to Adder. And Stanley looks at him saying, don't let him fool you. And we close in on Mueller's face and he's like, why don't you just leave our town alone? And he's like, gonna smash this fucking kid with a stake. Adder tells him, but I'm a kid. I go to Westport High, ninth grade. This, and he ruffles his face and hair saying, it's just an act. So, so, and Mueller's all, so what? And Adder turns saying, so I can pretend. I wanted to see if vampires are real. And they are. I found one. So quick to throw vampires under the bus. <laughs> what a jerk. I thought they were so cool. Now he's just like, I don't even like vampires. They smell and they're ugly mm-hmm. and stupid. They got grated cheese face. Nasty. So Stanley's all, you know, we found a vampire too, and now we're going to send you back to where you came from. And Mueller does a battle yell, he's about to stab this kid, and they start coughing. 
Because there's this mist that's coming up from the floor. Mm-hmm. And they are really hacking up their lungs. And this mist takes form as Dreyfus in front of Mueller. Mueller gets choked by him. <laughs> are you afraid that Archer likes choking people? Yeah, because you can't, you can't stab them. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I guess, all right, fair enough. And, but it's not even really choking. It's just kind of touching near the neck. Yeah. And then they're like, ugh. True. Stanley gets the fuck out of that room. He is gone. And yeah. Mueller, he's about to get nibbled on until Adder calmly says, Dreyfus. And he uncorks that bottle of Raven's blood from earlier, saying, Raven's blood, mm-hmm. Nightshade, and Mandrake, all the way from Romania, just for you. Dreyfus drops Mueller and starts walking towards Adder, as Adder tells him, it's just for him, and you haven't eaten in a long time. And he sets the bottle on a casket. Dreyfus grabs it and is about to start drinking that garbage. But Adder rips aside a curtain and the sun shines on him and he starts dying. And like the CG kind of sucks, but I kind of love it too. Do you? Yeah. Like he gets like these molten like bubbles on his skin that like melt him like a fucking film roll being melted in a movie theater. I kind of thought it was all right. I, I see what they were going for. But I just think they didn't pull it off at all. It is, um... It looks like shit. It is. It's shit. It's not good, but there's something about it I kind of like. Well, the thing is, like, they focus on this death scene. Like, it is featured. They were proud of it. This is the creme de la creme. Yeah. Yeah, they had the budget to do this, and they went for it. And maybe it looked good at the time. Like, we're talking 20 years ago. Yeah. I doubt it, but maybe it looked a little better relatively but i feel like effects they did before all the cg in this season like even just the simple death in whispering walls of, oh yeah yeah what's that guy's name uh started with an r didn't it romero raymond, raymond. master raymond yeah raymond like the scene of raymond disappearing into smoke or whatever yeah like that looked better that looked good it did still and even in the tale of the night shift the vampire just bursting into flames that was pretty cool. Like, that looked good, still. True. I appreciate the fact that they didn't just, like, drape him with the cloth and then they lift it up and it's just nothing or, like, a pile of dust or something. Yeah, sure. They went big. They did. Dreyfus just turns to dust and Adder takes a picture of that. <laughs> just neat. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, way cool. Click, click. Mueller walks up clutching his neck, saying, You saved my life. Nanner smiles, saying, Yeah, I guess I did. And Mueller breathlessly says, So was Dreyfus all along. And Adder nods, saying that he never thought he'd find him. And it was all just a dumb game. Mueller tells him that it isn't a game here, son. There's dozens of vampires buried down below. We don't usually have problems, but every so often. And then Adder says, So, this really is vampire town. Title drop. Mueller claps him on the shoulder, apologizing, asking if there's anything he can do to make it up to him. And Adder's all, actually, there is. You can tell that hotel guy I'm not really a vampire. Mueller laughs, saying, Stanley? That little weasel ran away, didn't he? And Adder's all, yeah, he really is a weenie, isn't he? And they leave the room, and the camera pans down to look at that vampire dust again. We cut, and Mom and Dad are exiting the hotel, and Dad says, you know, this place isn't so bad after all. Mom's all, and today's gonna be all about Adder, right? And Dad nods and looks over, saying, Adder? And Mom tells him, yeah, Adder. But Dad is looking past her, saying, our Adder? Our son? <laughs> yeah, it's oh, supernatural. Oh, right, that Adder. Incredibly natural acting, yes. And Mom turns around, and we see Adder, and he is not in goth clothing anymore. He is normal Larry Tudgman. <laughs> <laughs> and he smiles, saying, hi, guys, how'd you sleep? And Mom tells him, Terrific. And asks if he's feeling okay. And Adder smiles saying he could never be better. And Dad tells him, good. Ready to go check out those catacombs? And Adder asks if he really wants to go with him. And Dad is all, well, it's a little it's a little real, but if, if you're into it, who am I to judge? And Adder smiles saying, thanks a lot, Dad. But they're closed. And Dad's like, really? Oh, jeez, too bad. And Mom suggests that they do something else. So Adder thinks that they should use those jet tickets. And that blows Dad's mind. And Mom asks... What about the vampire hunt? And Adder's all, I came, I saw, it's over. Dad's all, you sure? And Adder says, positive. Dad excitedly says that, let's hit it. And we'll make it to the time for the kickoff. And Adder waves saying, 
be right there. And he walks back into the hotel. So he's dressed in like full 90s get up now. Yep. No more eyeliner. He's a normal kid, quote unquote. Did he pack those? Uh, he had to have, right? He didn't get them in the catacombs. Was he planning on perhaps just getting ready for this vacation? Like, oh, maybe I'll have an entire change of personality. Who knows? Maybe he was planning... Just pack these just in case. So he came to this town to, like, see vampires or whatever. But mm-hmm. it seems like there's this... Um, he has this, like, idea that he could be wrong and vampires could just not be real. So I think he maybe was preparing himself in case he went and this this like last stand of vampirism and personality trait for of his is like something that he doesn't want to pursue anymore because he was disappointed at the fact that there were no vampires. So I don't know. He, he thinks ahead, I guess. That makes sense. I don't think it does. No, but I think you're right. Yeah, like I think he knows that vampires aren't real, but like he doesn't want. Never mind. You know what? Let's just fucking move on. He put he packed those yeah. clothes in the off chance that vampires weren't real, and he was super disappointed, and he had to go back to his normal boring life. Yeah, face reality. Yes. And uh, live in misery like the rest of us. Exactly. Inside, he dings the bell saying hello, and Stanley appears behind him saying, hello, Adder. And Adder's all, hey, thanks for not saying anything to my parents about last night. I don't think they'd understand. And Stanley says he'll never breathe a word. And Adder pulls out another blue bottle of Raven's blood, telling him it's in case he runs into any more vampires. And he hands it to Stanley, who says, how kind. And then Adder's all, well, bye. And he walks away. And Stanley opens up the bottle, and he huffs that good shit in. And he is like, oh, this stuff's amazing. Adder turns around saying, although there's something that I don't get. If Dreyfus only rose last night, then who attacked Mr. Mueller last week? And Stanley walks up to him saying, I was hoping people would think it was you. And Arizal, yeah, but we... Wait, what do you mean hoping? And some sinister music starts playing, and Mueller tells him it's getting harder and harder to be undetected. He grabs a kid, and they look in the mirror, but Stanley's reflection isn't there. And then he says, I hope you like Vampire Town, because you'll be staying here a long, long time. And he opens up his mouth, and their fangs, and he kind of hisses. And that fades into the campfire, and that's the end of the story. Yeah, so he died anyway. He did, but his parents are, like, fucking waiting in the car for him. It's only, like, a matter of minutes until they go in there, and they're like, what the fuck? Where's Adder? Yeah. It's not a great thing. He's not going to get away with it for long. No. He's talking about being undetected, and yet he's going to kill the child of parents. Like, the parents aren't just going to leave. Like, give me a break. They're going to walk in there, and they're going to be like, uh, what yeah, the fuck? Yeah, dad's not going to be like, well, I'm going to miss kickoff, honey. Like, we got to go. Not a great plan by Stanley. Um, unless maybe, and you know, like I, I get that he was the vampire. Like I, I kind of had an, an idea of it the whole time, but you know, when the final showdown happened and he was just out of there, I was like, oh yeah, he's definitely a vampire, but he is awakened up and around during the day just because he puts a curtain up. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. Well, I mean, Dreyfus was around during the day until that curtain opened yeah i suppose you're right it's just direct sunlight but yeah with stanley literally the first line he said in the show i was like oh he's a vampire (laughs) and then he called up and was like oh we gotta kill this vampire and i was like oh that's a twist yeah he's actually a vampire hunter but then the twist is that the twist isn't a twist yeah he's a vampire vampire hunter It was a good, it was a good twist, like, uh, you know, pinning the whole thing on some kid as the villain. It's pretty cool. Yeah. But he is not a smart vampire. Like, seriously, killing that kid no, is he, not a good idea right now. really isn't. <laughs> Go back after that fat guy. <laughs> or his wife. Go get his wife. She's still waiting for her milk. She wants that milk, Brandon. She wants to lick it up like a kitty cat. <laughs> back at the Midnight Society, Quinn then says, and that's the end. And Megan and Tucker tell him that that was a great story. And Tucker's all, well, meeting's over. We're out of here. And he dumps the water on the fire. And Andy walks up to Quinn saying that he's sorry. And it wasn't fair to think that he started the fight. And up walks Vange. And Quinn tells him that it's all right. And Vange tells him, yeah, me too, dude. I wasn't thinking. And Quinn tells them not to worry about it. And the kids walk away. And Megan walks up next. And she shrugs. And then she walks away. And Tucker walks up to Quinn asking, so who did start the fight? And Quinn looks back to make sure everyone else is gone before saying, I did. But hey, the guy deserved it. He nabbed my lunch. Tucker's all, yeah, kind of figured. 
and the two walk away hand over each other's shoulders as Quinn tells him, that's because you're a smart guy, just like me. The end. Tucker's a smart guy. Smart guy. Yeah, so he did start the fight. He is a jerk. Oh yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. Megan was right. You know, I kind of really like this uh, Midnight Society. <laughs> They're not bad. I, I like them. I mean, I get why people are like, uh, change. It's scary. Yeah. It sucks. But... You know, they're all right. I'm looking forward to talking about them at the end of season six. And I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in season seven. If we get any changes or, uh, you know, oh god, how, how they grow up. Because, I mean, Van... It's too late for more changes. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a change either. But, like, Vange is... He's, she's, like, 11 right now. So I'm looking forward to seeing her all yeah. grown up. Just like the Rugrats when they all grew up. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's Vampire Town. Um, I thought it was fine. Yeah. It's alright. It was uh, it was better than Misfortune Cookie. I'll definitely uh, give it that. <laughs> we can always say that. I know. I know. We always have Misfortune Cookie. I would legitimately watch Hungry Hounds uh, like three times in a row before I watched Misfortune Cookie. Oh once. yeah. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hungry Hounds has that music. Yeah. Misfortune Cookie has that nothing. I don't know. It has like a solar eclipse or something. Grandpa dies. Who knows? But uh, I don't think I have anything more to talk about with Vampire Town. I think we kind of covered it all. That's Vampire Town. So what do you think the moral of the story is? The moral of the story is conform or die. Pretty good. Except in this case, it's conform and die. (laughs) I think it's that if there are catacombs under your inn, you need to check it out. That shit is going to be lit. Yeah. Some crazy parties in the catacombs, I'm sure. Oh, can you imagine, like, fucking being a teenager in this town and being like, yo, meet me in the catacombs at one in the morning. That'd be freaking awesome. All the houses are connected. Yeah. Oh, no, like, do not enter sign will stop me from living it up in the catacombs. <laughs> These catacombs have to be huge. Yeah. They need, like, maps, like, you are here. Mm-hmm. They need traffic lights. Be people riding their bikes to work through the catacombs. <laughs> You wake up in the morning and your kid's gone and you, you gotta set out search parties through the catacombs to find them. <laughs> you take the east catacombs. <laughs> I'll take the northeast catacombs. Oh my gosh. So, the tale of Vampire Town. Fucking badass name. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think we can improve it. I don't either. Let's try making it shittier. But let's again. come up with something. Yeah. The tale of the catacombs... A, the tale of Abbott and Costello meet the Dreyfus. <laughs> yeah. The tale of the chemical peel vampire. <laughs> the tale of the real bats. Oh my god. I legitimately forgot about those. <laughs> when I read it in the notes, it was like a fucking surprise again. <laughs> the tale of Raven's blood, Nightshade, and Mandrake. Mm-mm-mm. So I can't resist it. I want to suck it down like a Capri Sun. Is that it? I got nothing else. That's fine. Whatever. Moving on. <laughs> Are you ready to find out what's next in the season six of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah. All right. We're almost done with season six, Brandon. We just got two episodes left. Can you believe this shit? No. It's fucking wild. <sighs> Seriously, it is. Season six, episode 12 is The Tale of the Secret Admirer. Hmm. Yeah, right? It's not a name that jumps out as being instantly interesting. Well, who do you think is going to tell the tale of the secret admirer? Um, I think Megan. I'm thinking Megan, too. It's I think it's definitely either Megan or Andy. I don't think anybody else is going to tell this. No. What do you think the tale of the secret admirer is going to be about? Uh, somebody's got a secret admirer. Okay. At school. Uh, maybe the secret admirer is somebody that's dead. Hmm, okay. Yeah, some ghost kid. Ghost kid. Ghost kid secret admirer. That might be what it is. I think it would be kind of... This is like, a lot of potential in my eyes. I mean, you could do something stalker-related, like, you know, actual horror. Like, real-life horror, I mean. It could It could probably get... It, it could get intense. This could be the scariest episode of them all. Who knows? Well, there's only one way to find out. Uh, I know, but we can't until next week. So, 
you want to know what this has as an IMDb score? Oh, Lord. What is it? This episode has an 8.5 out of 10 with 277 reviews. Quite a bit lower than the other episodes so far. <laughs> so maybe it'll be an 8.5? Who knows? What did Vampire Town have? Vampire Town had like a 9 point something. Alright, well, it's not that, but it's also not a 3, so... Hold on, I'm looking real quick. It's closer, I guess. Vampire Town has a 9.3. Yeah, that's bananas. Oh yeah, for sure, because Oblivion had a 3.3, which is stupid. Ridiculous. Well, Brandon, I have a really busy day today. Uh, It's a lot of Halloween going on. You are done with Halloween. It's officially not Halloween in Australia anymore. So you're probably ready for bed, huh? Yeah. It's been a day. What did you end up carving your pumpkin as, by the way? I didn't. (gasps) You monster. I didn't carve the pumpkin. I I didn't carve a pumpkin this year either. I made Kim do it, so it's okay. But... Man, I think I'm going to try and take a nap before I got to bust my butt to get everything done today. So I'm going to go uh, I'm gonna go to sleep. I'm going to up all night. All right. I'll talk to you next week. See you. Secret admirer, man. We're almost done with season six. We better start getting questions from people soon. <laughs> We're not going to have anything to talk about on the season wrap up, which is literally like So get in those misfortune cookie questions. Yeah. Misfortune cookie questions. Uh, what do you think was in the other misfortune cookies? <laughs> Please don't ask us that. <laughs> That's my question. Oh, God. I know, right? All right. I'm out of here. Bye, everybody. Bye. Don't move, you devil.